0: Welcome to CrossFit Harrow's uh, podcast. This is podcast number three. Um, today, we have a very good friend of mine in, um, called Carl. Carl is a sports therapist. Um, Carl has been uh, a sports therapist for the last 15 years um, and has quite a, um, a very exciting background. He has worked both professionally uh, and semi-professionally in sport um, and also with people who just generally like to exercise. Um, he now runs his own business. Uh, seeing patients um, with sporting and non-sporting injuries. Um, And those can include things like knee and hip replacements, uh, post-surgery recovery, uh, rehab, everyday niggles, and kind of maybe things that you might be experiencing day to day. Um, Carl worked for Fulham uh, Football Club for for seven years, uh, along with rugby clubs and uh, and running clubs. Um, Bodybuilders, he literally worked with everyone, dancers um, in in certain areas. uh, And he has his own business um, for the last 10 years. Uh, and the most exciting thing for me um, is he has gained all his patience through word of mouth and, and zero advertising. Um, Carl, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Very good. Very good. Trying to stay uh, alive and well with uh, COVID-19. Uh, how, how are you feeling everything?
1: Yeah, good. Just using the time, really, to sort of kind of try and do a bit of learning and sort of keep myself up to date with things but as as you said it's not the most exciting time in the world but you've got to adapt and
0: deal with it. I guess in our in our job roles working fitness industry it kind of gives us a little bit of time to uh not not necessarily sit back but like analyze and assess certain things that we're currently doing uh maybe change things up or or look, look, look for new ways.
1: Yeah absolutely there's uh I don't know I think Anyone that's good at their job is always looking to sort of kind of learn and try and improve. And yeah. if you're not making use of the time at the moment, then maybe you shouldn't be doing the
0: job that you are, that you're doing. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. How, um, how do you see your, uh, your, do you think your job role is going to change as a result of it? Um, not sure really at the moment. It's sort of kind of like everyone else up in the air. So
1: I think with the whole sort of social distancing thing for as long as it goes on, um at the moment not allowed to currently practice you're only allowed to see people via video consultations etc um so it it all depends i mean me personally i'm not really the biggest fan of video consultations because i believe you need to sort of kind of be quite hands-on and sort of be working directly with people um it's very easy for people to sort of kind of tell you what they want to hear so i think yeah you're there where you, in person.
0: where you might not be able to uh you know you can kind of sense through body language and and kind of what feels you know if you're if you're with a patient and you're hands on you can kind of feel what feels right and wrong but i guess you can't do that at the moment
1: no absolutely So like being there in person you can't beat it you can make people do things that they wouldn't be expecting i.e something like maybe balance on one foot or take them out of their comfort zone so that they can't cover up what the true issue is
0: mm. yeah i get that what well, um so so for, for the listeners what what exactly is it that a sports therapist does because or or, or physiotherapy, you know people might not know exactly what it is that you know they just kind of hear these words of chiropractic sports therapists but they actually don't know what it is what is it in in whatever detail you want what 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 is it to the everyday person
1: so I think firstly, there's obviously all these different qualifications. The, the way they differ, for example, a sports therapist to a physio, a sports therapist obviously specializes in sports injuries. Physiotherapists will deal with sort of people who have had hospitals or the admissions. Uh, chiropractors and osteopaths specialize in backs and joints. Um, and really, if you go to see a physio or any of these occupations for the first time, Anyone that's good at their job will sort of kind of firstly do a verbal sort of consultation, get to know the person they're dealing with, assess and diagnose, hopefully be able to tell you what the problem is, and then sort of kind of treat the problem accordingly. But most most important is stopping it from happening again. And as we've discussed in the past and probably will do later on in this podcast, it's about sort of stopping something from reoccurring over and over Mm. again. Seems to be the most common thing as to why someone comes to see you in the first place.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. How, how important is it? The uh, like, I, I mean, I guess we understand the importance, but maybe some of the listeners might not. Um, how important is the initial consultation for any of those job roles to understand, uh, you know, the individual?
1: Yeah, I think initially meeting someone, you've got a kind of, you've got obviously you want to treat everyone with the same sort of level of assessment, but you've got to take into consideration whether someone's a professional athlete, someone's a recreational athlete, someone who just enjoys a bit of exercise in their spare time and you will cater how you sort of kind of treat them
0: accordingly, so to speak.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I guess a, a, an elite level athlete or, or full-time athlete would have, you know, would have better, uh, you like to think have better options for recovery, have more access to a bit more resources whilst, you know, a lot of us that, you know, even a lot of the listeners that we listen to, this, they're just everyday uh, people.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can, I think the biggest sort of misconception is that sort of professional athletes, obviously they have all these amazing facilities and everything available to them, but the everyday yeah. person can actually recover like a professional athlete, if they take it seriously and they see the right people, it's not okay yeah, uh, to buy that's all this amazing equipment, et cetera. You can do all the recovery and plan and set a regimented program exactly as a professional would do.
0: Yeah, that, that's true. I guess we get caught up in the, uh, you know, uh, kind of tier or hierarchy system of because they've got, because they are elite, they get this and they get that. When actually, at the end of the day, they are the same person as, they're an everyday person, just, with a, uh, a talent has been exposed and you know or, or found out you know and the other person hasn't yet
1: absolutely yeah. the same
0: yeah yeah it's, it's um, like
1: anything in life if you're going to take something seriously you might as well do it yeah
0: them. yeah that's true well, um, what um what do you love most about your job
1: i think the the best thing is obviously as cliche as it sounds you sort of kind of meet all different people from different walks of life i mean you as I said before professional athletes great um I get to meet people who are very successful in their businesses and it doesn't necessarily have to be sport it can be any um any sort of industry um and then also you deal with people that are young and or just having an interest in sport for the first time so it's definitely you learn a lot from people and I think the key is Don't ever to not ever to be, and it's maybe one thing that I maybe made a mistake at the beginning of my career is thinking that you want to know about everything, which is not possible. You, the people that you treat, and their industries, and there is a crossover between different industries and physio, osteopathy, sports therapy.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, If you hadn't if you hadn't got into sports therapy, uh, what what would you have done, or what would you be?
1: I don't know really as I said to be fair I kind of was relatively lucky in a way when I I've always wanted to be sort of a sports therapist or a physio when I was younger I was a half a decent runner um, got injured and had some treatment at the time and this was when I was about 17 18 years of age so luckily just before obviously university etc so therefore decided um, I got some treatment from the Brentford physio at the time and I tore my Achilles, had some treatment and thought the combination of sort of sport and science and sort of, I don't know, I think it's an industry that will all, there'll always be a demand for, I don't think think there'll ever be a problem attracting patients, etc. Yeah,
0: I mean, injuries will never, like, they're never going to go away.
1: No, I think, as I said, and especially now, health and fitness seems to be, uh, continually growing market there's always going to be a demand and as I'm sure you've seen with CrossFit as it gets more and more busy there's going to be sort of other ventures that you can take along the route
0: yeah I guess so I mean we, to be fair we, we always think that like injuries come from sport but actually like you know <laughs> people get injured from tying their shoelaces which which uh, which leads me to, to my next question of like what what in your in your experience what's your most common injury that you you've dealt with
1: I think backs normally knees, um, and as you sort of pointed towards there, lifestyle is probably mm. the biggest predisposing factor. It's um, people not looking after themselves, um, taking on too much, or sort of doing trying to go from zero activity levels to a hundred activity levels in. Uh, without any planning, without any sort of schedule. And yeah, in like the space of a week as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's the thing, there's obviously I get, you want to throw yourself in the deep end sometimes and see if you sink or swim. But logically, most of the time, when it comes to exercise and sport, that just results in injury.
0: Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's true. Um, with regards to you saying there about like, you know, most common injuries back, is that, because, is, is that purely a case of, people being sedentary is that you know just posture what you know is there something that kind of is there a trend for you with that
1: I think work related sort of things as you said sedentary sitting at an office all day long poor posture weight is a massive issue I think when I first started the job having awkward conversations with patients and trying to explain to them that their back issues etc are probably caused by their weight or their lack of activity wasn't always the sort of easiest sort of subject yeah. to approach but that, that
0: is quite quite a hard from a, a, a fitness professional point of view that that's quite a hard conversation to have and then as a, as a client let's say that's also quite a hard conversation to, to hear
1: yeah I think they sort of as in the end you kind of with your experience you you learn not to beat around the bush and as much as someone might sort of give you all the excuses oh, I've always been big or this has always been my lifestyle there's no reason for it just to happen now I think you kind of become a bit more sort of straight to the point and I suppose bullish so to speak to say look this is what is caused by you either listen to my advice I've got lots of experience if you don't listen I'll see you again in six months with exactly the same problem
0: yeah yeah um uh, yeah, I do agree with that actually uh, that, 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 you know, in, in, in sport, well, regardless whether it's in sport or everyday life, I think, you know, the lifestyle that someone creates for themselves um, can be uh, as well as it can be positive for, for them, you know, they, they might be active and, and whatever. And, but there's also, it can be detrimental in the fact of like, you know, weight gain or wanting to do something about their weight. Yes. There is a, there, there is a responsibility of like food and, um, you know, exercise, but also the preventive measures to take place, like you know, the occasional visit to a sports therapist for something, you know, uh, to to prevent the injury from happening, as opposed to dealing with the injury once you've got it.
1: Yeah, I think being aware of your body and sort of managing managing your lifestyle, and as you sort of probably touched on, and listening to your podcast the other week, touched on with the nutritionist that there's all these different factors that do contribute to how you perform or how your body is or whether you get injured. And if you neglect one area massively, there will be a consequence for it.
0: Yeah, I, I think what actually, you know, saying that, I think one of the biggest misconceptions could be like is that the sight of the pain is also the reason behind, like, reason behind injury. Like it's not, you might feel something in your, um, I don't know, in your, in your shoulder, but it, the actual, you know, the, the pain's in your shoulder, but the reason is somewhere else.
1: Yeah, there's loads of sort of kind of um, situations where an injury might be caused by a predisposing factor. So, as you like, people can have issues with their posture, and that can affect um, a shoulder. Or someone could, the way someone could walk, their gait could affect sort of their lower back. Or there's hundreds and hundreds of different things which yeah. can affect the way we- of.
0: Sorry, I, I'm a massive believer that actually your body will, will give you the sign before you get the injury. Your body, unless it's kind of you know an, an, an impact on injury, an injury on impact, but your body will generally give you a sign uh, about your injury. Um, do, you, what, do you agree with that? What, what's your take?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think even like stupid situations like today, just going for your my general daily sort of walk or jog, a little bit of sort of tightness in your calf is normal. Yeah. That, hold on a minute I haven't stretched I haven't foam rolled I haven't really probably haven't taken care of myself even as an individual myself I'm still guilty of it maybe over the last week or so so therefore you're thinking right get home where's the foam roller five minutes or so of just working on that can actually prevent you needing weeks worth of treatment
0: oh it makes massive difference I think as a lot of people you know as you get older and you kind of get more into fitness I think Uh, there's obviously a lot more services out there as well than there was like, you know, in the uh, early nineties and stuff, but, you know, yoga and Pilates have become such a a big part of people's uh, fitness regime in terms of like looking after themselves. How, how important is that for you as a, you know, as a sports therapist, How, how, how much do you think that influences positively or negatively to someone's training?
1: I think Pilates, for example, I'm a massive fan of sort of referring people onto it because if when people have back injuries, etc., the in all honesty, once someone's recovered and they're pain free, the unless they are a either high level athlete or someone that is very, very in touch with their body, the likelihood of them doing their exercises and recovering or stopping the problem from happening again is probably I don't know, it's a bit it's unlikely that they'll always do their exercises or be regimented. So therefore, going to a Pilates class where you actually pencil in an hour a week or one, two sessions per week, where you'll go to Pilates, you'll go to yoga, you'll strengthen your core and strengthen your back. And then this will sort of kind of stop um, stop the problem from happening again. And it's actually my, sort of kind of one of my pet hates that when you go and see a physio or an osteopath and you've recovered and then they say okay well you could come and see me again in two weeks and then two weeks and two weeks and just keep the process going when realistically they're not they're not stopping the problem from happening again I think a good physio or a good osteopath or a good sports therapist will actually not have an issue with referring you to someone in order
0: to add to to that to, to give you that experience yeah
1: I think you should always know people that are experts in their field, for example. But I wouldn't say I've got people that I work with that are personal trainers. Obviously, I know yourself through sort of running a CrossFit gym. There's a yoga instructor that I'm aware of who I send people to. So knowing these people and I say, right, go contact this person. Pencil yourself in for a session once a week. This is the way
0: to sort of kind of stop this from happening again. Yeah, and I think a combination, I guess, you know, uh, a combination of, you know, you, on one day out of the week, you need to do this, another day out of the week, you need to do that, and like, you know, one day focusing on your training, et cetera, you know, improving your fitness, another day is actually trying to stay supple and looking after your body, like, you know, not putting under so much stress. Um, I get, they go hand in hand, right, for optimum performance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, everyone has sort of busy and stressful lives, et cetera, and, family responsibilities whatever it might be but ultimately sometimes you just making an hour for yourself once a week to do something can be the well can basically be the most important important sort of preventative measure in terms of sort of bulletproofing your body etc yeah
0: do do you reckon like can people have injuries and not know about it
1: Mm, I think Yes, you can do it. If you have sort of tiny little tears of muscle, sometimes you won't feel them. Obviously, when you're actually performing sport, quite often if you're adrenaline or you're in the gym, for example, and your adrenaline's high, you're sort of lovely and warm, your blood's pumping around, You're maybe you've sort of got your headphones in, you're psyched up, you're listening to music, you might have a small traumatic sort of kind of instance to your body, like a micro tear or a little strain of something and not realise. But ultimately... Yeah think in the long run it's something that you will be aware of post-session or maybe maybe the day after
0: yeah or or potentially I mean during there's been times where you know in my experience of you know someone doing something they're like oh my shoulder's clicking I'm like your shoulder probably shouldn't click you know you need to stop what you're doing and we can adapt the workouts and not use your shoulders but after this session you need to go and see someone about that because your shoulder shouldn't do that
1: yeah i think what you just said there about adapting is probably the most important thing that people that it sounds harsh but people that are not good in or not sort of kind of up to speed with their sort of body like, awareness yeah body awareness or like or coaches that are sort of that don't ad- adapt training programs like there's no reason why you can't carry on training but if you're doing a chin up, for example, and your shoulder hurts, don't there's something do wrong. Up. Yeah, it's something <laughs> yeah. wrong. Don't do chin ups. Do something else. Sort of stop doing upper body work and move to your lower body. And it's something that's I do get it sometimes when you see people and they're like, oh, it's okay if you keep on working through it; it'll be fine." And it's such an old school trail of thought, and mm. it generally only results in further complications down the line. Yeah, yeah, a longer injury.
0: I think. Well, I think we kind of. Um... I think in the fitness industry, it's quite, it's quite bad for the, case. like, people, you know, so you can go to the gym and you will work out, and in that instant, you will feel whether the workout was hard, it was easy, or it, give you a, it gives you a feeling, it's, it's instant, it's like, it's satisfying there and then, but with regards to treatment or prevention, it's not so satisfying because you don't have a direct result, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and I think that's what people ultimately, they, they might chase or maybe, you know, neglect so much as they're like, oh, it will go away. Uh, you know, the, the training element is more important. But what we don't realise is that actually the more you prevent or look after yourself in terms of how you move and things you know, your body being well-oiled and WD-40, that actually you'll perform better and have better results.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is where a good coach comes in again and sort of, or a good sort of physio and or sports therapist. And they say, Right. In order to, I think it's working with people and saying, right, maybe this isn't your strongest element. You want to improve this. If you do A, B, C, D, this will improve this. And it's giving people the motivation to do something that they might not necessarily want to do in order to yeah. ultimately get the results that they want.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's balancing your fitness goals with your recovery or your pre, you know, uh, prevention measures. But I think you're right. Uh, you know, the difference, good coaches and good, you know, sports therapists or practitioners working together for that individual to make that person as, as you know, the best possible version of themselves through fitness um, and through, you know, through those different stages. Yeah. What what what's um what's your thoughts? Because I get this quite regularly. Uh, obviously, only in the gym that you know people come and see us and say, "Oh my, you know my whoever has told me to completely stop because as a result of an injury." What's your what's your opinion? I've also got one, so I'm in, intrigued to see yours.
1: Okay, so I wouldn't. It, depending on the situation, unless someone's just had some sort of major surgery or uh, a, a very very sort of kind of traumatic injury, then yes it might be a case of stop, but there should always be something that you can do. Even in, even to be fair, two days after having a big surgery, like a knee replacement or a hip replacement, there's exercises and movement stuff that you should be doing. But for someone to say completely stop and don't do anything is not good advice in my opinion. Yeah.
0: i'm with you on that one i find it quite frustrating at times you know i, I get it you know a fracture something completely serious that you know allows you it doesn't allow you to do x you know uh, x y and z for a little while i get that there has to be an element of you actually saying well i need to stop because of the uh, seriousness of the uh injury however you know there are certain things and certain injuries that you're not training you're not you're, you're not training that that muscle or that whatever it is that's been affected but you can still train towards your fitness goal you just have to adapt to to the training style or method
1: yeah because if someone for example someone can break their leg and have their leg in a cast etc but there's no reason why they can't do an upper body workout so if you're in a cast for six weeks there's no point just sitting on the sofa like a lemon for six weeks and doing absolutely
0: nothing yeah do you know what i think actually that's quite people find that difficult to see in the CrossFit world because obviously CrossFit being so uh, dimensional where it's, you know, every kind, everything's kind of, uh, it's mixed in modality so you're running, biking, you know, at times if people got at the facility, they can swim, box jumping, thrusters, cleans, there's so many elements and they think, well actually, how can I, I can't, I've been told to stop and I probably can't scale this workout, but actually the reality is that there, there is a different option for you to do, just because you have got an injury doesn't mean that you completely stop.
1: Yeah, I think if, look, if I was a uh if I was a sort of CrossFit sort of aficionado or someone that was well into their CrossFit, I would say, right, sit down and work out. What are probably the weakest areas of your performance during CrossFit? What things do you struggle with? Right. Okay. For example, I might have a broken leg and my leg could be in a cast. I know I'm not very good at chin ups, et cetera. So therefore, right. I need to work on my shoulder strength. I can do this by lying on a bench. uh, Yeah or shoulder-based exercises or rehab Um, there's always there's always something
0: yeah Yeah. there's always something there's always something that you can't like we're always told there's a lot of things that we can't do but actually you know there's a lot of things that we can
1: do yeah i think the worst the worst situation which is actually not not that long ago i had a patient who unfortunately sort of broke her kneecap um, fractured it into four pieces uh, had it all wired together, went home from the hospital. And I didn't, didn't see this person until about sort of six weeks after they'd had the operation. Went to go and see them via a house visit. And they had been lying pretty much on the sofa for the last sort of six weeks, had done no movement with the leg whatsoever. They weren't in a cast, they were in a brace. They weren't advised what to do. So as a result, they had a leg that wouldn't bend at all. And therefore, after sort of three or four weeks worth of trying to get the leg to move, it wouldn't. So therefore, the person had to go back to have a second surgery in order to wow. sort of take out all the scar tissue. So wow. because they'd done nothing for six weeks, they had all the scar tissue removed and went back to the process again and then started to regain movement in the knee, um, start to build up strength, could start to also wear the brace and do hydrotherapy as well there's as i said there's options
0: yeah i think it's just people having you know the right people around them to let them manage their injury because actually what the story that you just said has has actually added to her recovery where you know she could have come back a lot sooner but because the inactivity has led her to take longer to recover
1: yeah it's it's as you said there is surrounding yourself with the right people and that it's one of those times when you do get severely injured or you have issues, sometimes there is a fear element. Of course, you're going to be scared that something might happen or you might make something worse. But as I said, don't Google something and try and find out ask <laughs> yeah. someone that either experienced it or knows exactly what they're talking about.
0: Well, yeah, that, that actually leads me on to, to another thing that I wanted to ask you about, you know, people dealing with injuries. Like there's, there, there is obviously a psychological aspect to this, like, you know, um, it, it can affect people um, and it can be detrimental to their recovery. Like it can sink in and, you know, you're, you're, you're injured. And especially, you know, from when you work with um, professionals, and, but even the everyday person, you know, they're, they're so used to be able to doing X, Y, and Z. Now they're injured. They cut, they, in their head, um, you know, they're kind of broken down psychologically and thought, well, like, now I can't do this anymore.
1: Yeah. In my opinion, it's the second most important thing. Behind sort of educating someone what to do, how to stop it from happening again. Psychology, when someone gets injured, regardless of level, is massively important because you do go and see people who you don't always like, you don't always see people who have injured themselves and see them a couple of days after it's happened. A lot of people wait, think, I'll sit at home, recover, ice, the basic stuff that everyone knows, and then two weeks later you see them and the problems actually sometimes got worse. Uh, yeah. And psychologically, when you speak to them, they're like, Oh, maybe I'm too old for this. I'll give up or not. They doubt I,
0: themselves. They, they doubt themselves.
1: Yeah. People doubt themselves. But I think the most important thing is to sort of say, look, hold on. If you explain this has happened because this and this and this, then my personal approach is try and find out what someone has got coming up in the future is there a specific event that they want to reach i yeah. i know in your sort of industry something for example for the elite level performers like the crossfit games that's obviously going to be yeah. a massive part if someone got injured 10 weeks before that you would say right in 10 weeks time here is your target to be able to compete you need yeah. to be able to do this 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 and set a regimented schedule along the way automatically that will boost someone and they'll say, right, okay, so maybe it is practical. Obviously, there are stumbling blocks along the way sometimes and not everyone reaches their sort of kind of goal. But you can kind of swing it. the fact that if someone doesn't reach their intended target, they're still a hell of a lot further down the line than they would have been. Yeah, they're they're ahead of the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah that that goes back to podcast 1 where we spoke about um small actionable goals done daily so just because yeah just because you are in a scenario where you're limited or you're injured or you're struggling with an injury you know like you said a, a good sports therapist or someone you know working with you who has got experience will give you small actionable goals to work towards that competition or that event that you've got coming up whether it be that you're going abroad you're doing this you're doing that
1: yeah i mean look, we're both we're both fans of obviously audio and books as well. And sort of I know you have touched on it on previous weeks about the books of atomic habits, et cetera. Mm. That's one thing that it kind of, it, it reinforces that message. As I said, small goals, set, like getting into the routine of doing things, habits, and, um, having a, having a set goal or a procedure, that's, it, it kind of helps to motivate the individual. And that will yeah. ultimately get someone to recover faster. I mean, that's what professional athletes do. It, there's no sort of kind of golden sort of sort of thing that they do that is different to the everyday person, apart from the facilities and obviously the finances. True. They have everything like sort of recorded, set targets, what you're going to
0: do, and that's generally why sort of professional athletes will recover quicker than what the everyday yeah. person. Yeah, because you can get, you know, you get professional footballer that might, you know, break their leg and they're, you know, they're back in no time. And you're thinking, well, how quickly have they just recovered? Yeah, I mean, yes. The everyday person might take them, you know, six months.
1: Yeah, but there is, there is obviously, they do have access to all the best sort of kind of medical equipment. But ultimately,
0: the principles are the same.
1: Yeah, they'll, they'll come in and the typical day is someone reports, if they're injured, report to training at 9am in the morning. They'll do their physio session for half an hour. They'll then go into the gym and do an hour's workout. And then they'll go and do a swim and sort of kind of stretch, etc. Now, that's not obviously practical to absolutely everyone. But the form of being able to do, you do your strengthening one day, your stretching the next, and then a different Yeah, it you'll
0: be replicated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's true. And I think that's actually, you know, so anyone who's listening to this, to this podcast and thinking, well, actually I'm struggling with an injury at the moment and you know, <laughs> don't have those finances or those facilities take, you know, there's, take that advice on board where, you know, set yourself small daily goals where even if you are working with a physiotherapist or sports therapist and they've been giving you X, Y, and Z that you set out to do those every single day, because, you know, a 1%, um, doing something daily is you know it's one percent every day leads for to a, to a lot by the end of the week and then the end of the month and then the end of the year
1: yeah and absolutely and what i would say to someone is if they are injured at the moment and they haven't been able to have their physio sessions or treatment sessions is contact the physio that's working with you or they should the it's not a case of just washing your hands of sort of your patients at the moment it's a case of contact them even a quick phone call just to say like right i've done this i've done this can i progress it someone with experience should be able to roughly direct you how you can mm. progress your recovery and your rehab even in the sort of kind of current situation we're all in
0: yeah that's uh, that's good advice actually very good advice um have have you seen uh obviously i think marathon was last week right was it last last weekend or supposedly
1: yeah well would yeah would have been yeah, yeah.
0: Um, have you seen? I mean, obviously, maybe not so much this year in terms of physically seeing patients, but has there been an increase? You in know, or up to the run-up to the marathon, is there uh, an increase in injuries? Yeah, normally marathon week is my
1: sort of kind of busiest time of the year in terms of seeing patients. It's it, it's one of those things. A lot of it is just general massage work, and sort of those that who do train in the correct way is quite straightforward. But unfortunately, you do normally get a lot of people who get to about six to eight weeks before actual marathon time and they break down and they get injured. And then there's this mad panic to recover. And of it's quite a stressful thing, especially when people have obviously raised money for charity, etc. And they're worried that they might have to pull out. And Yeah, I mean, they've invested all that time and all that mileage. Yeah, exactly. So I think... This, probably the mar- training for the marathon is one of those things that you actually and anyone that's actually done it you'll have to you'll have to properly plan what you're going to do because you do need to be running regularly um, yeah. you, don't, you don't need to be running every day which is probably the biggest schoolboy error that anyone can make uh, well,
0: it's funny that you say that because I'm sure you saw my post the other week on Instagram, having a bit of a rant about people, you know, who've never ran in 20 years or 10 years, and all of a sudden now are going out for 5K runs every single day.
1: Yeah, and as I said, it's unfortunately it's uh you'll you'll have short-term improvements and you will get quicker, you will sort of kind of get fitter, but ultimately extent, yeah. yeah you'll get you'll get down to a point where eventually, unfortunately, something may happen and you may get injured because you're either not recovering you're not eating correctly you're not stretching there's loads of different elements and anyone who is training for the marathon or just training running to get fitter running every day is is a huge error unless you're very very specific with what you're doing i.e. you're doing a long run once a week and then you're tapering your runs down for the week and then doing another long run. That is the only way realistically you can, you can run every day.
0: Yeah. I mean, this goes back to like going from nothing like zero to 100, like really, really quick. I mean, people, you know, been inactive. It's kind of the thing of, you know, doing what you doing, things that you can't or cause you can't have them. So people, uh, you know, haven't been members of gyms, but because gyms are shut now, Um, they think well I'm going to go out for a run and actually you know start running every day and then by like day four they're like shit my shins are bleeding my knees are crying at me um, and I've already given up given up hope on fitness when the the reality is all they needed to do was just structure their running a little bit better maybe a rest day or some sort of mobility some sort of some form of rehab you know you're looking after themselves
1: yeah I think and I said the the best example that I can give is the patients who have done the best times speed wise when learning to or when doing marathons or 10 k's or half marathons are those that have used a combination of running and weight training and yeah. it's it's a classic sort of kind of example and i, I won't use names of patients etc but two people in particularly last year one who decided to run pretty much most days from christmas up until april the marathon got to about four weeks before the marathon and had horrific problems with both their shins and their it bands and compared to the person another patient who decided who actually had some very good advice from a patient and friend of mine who's a very good personal trainer and basically only ran twice a week but mm. on ran twice a week, did one long run, one sort of short distance run and did two weight sessions during the course of the week. And for someone to do that, and she's the girl that did It's not a, not a runner by any means, but she actually did the marathon in under three and a half hours. Uh, Amazing! for for someone to do that for their first marathon ever
0: is unbelievable. But yeah, that, that, that is mad. I take my house to anyone who's ever run the marathon. The marathon's hard. Like it's a lot of running. It's a lot of mileage. Um, and it puts your body under a lot of stress. So, you know, to get sub-four hours is, is, is out of its world.
1: Yeah, I think – and it breaks up the monotony of just running because, let's be honest, like even when marathon runners are towards the end of it, your longest run realistically, you're not, you shouldn't be doing more than 16 or 18 miles before your actual marathon. Everyone looks at it and goes, right, it's 26.2 miles, blah, blah. I need to be able to do that marathon before it or do 23, 24 miles. It's completely the wrong approach. The only people mm. who would do that sort of distance are seasoned marathon runners. So Yeah, really and that doesn't,
0: that doesn't happen in a year. That takes like 15 years to do. Yeah, exactly. So you should,
1: you should only get up to about maybe maybe 16 miles and then adding in the weight training, et cetera, so that you have a nice strong core. Um, your legs are strong. You've got good knee stability, good ankle stability. All of these things are massive factors in terms of helping you run quick times and be a good runner
0: well see this actually leads me into another bit that i wanted to speak about because you know people's i spoke about this uh on on social media as well people's uh, you know understanding of of fitness is that uh they're going to go out for a run and they think that running is going to get them fit running will do two things like you said before it will get you fit to a certain element and eventually it gets you it'll get you aerobically fit but it gets to a point where actually your, your times get better but you're not actually getting any uh, fitter in terms of you know you're not losing any weight and things like that um where then they're trying to move into something like crossfit or um whatever it might be body whatever whatever it is and because they make that transition from doing so much running into weight training there are a lot of mechanics that don't work properly because they're over or underdeveloped in certain areas like if we talk about like risk factors um you know intrinsic in some of them being muscle imbalances and their fitness level like they're great runners but actually in terms of like, you know, do you know how to hinge from from the hips? Probably not. Do you know how to maintain a flat back? No.
1: Yep. Yeah. As I said, this and this is where you having having someone I think look, having someone that has actually completed an event beforehand as a mentor or a coach, they'll explain this to you. And as I said, yeah. it's, it's a case of building up your muscles. And as I said, marathon running, running every single day in massive distance is, is boring as hell. So, therefore, yeah. mixing up your workouts and adding strength stuff in is going to massively help in your performance.
0: Yeah. Weight training is a fundamental, you know, is one of the fundamentals for any type of uh, fitness. Um, let's say, uh, you know, whatever you want out of fitness, weight training does serve its purpose.
1: Yeah. No, as I said, do, you, do your weight training if you're going to run a marathon, 100%.
0: Um, okay. So, um, we touched a little bit, you know, on, uh, well, I, I guess through that, we spoke a lot about the extreme de- risk factors of, of, of injuries, like, you know, the poor coach and the incorrect technique. It, I, what you said there a minute ago about finding someone who has done it before, you know, having that mentor. And I think that, that, that applies to a lot of things in life, if not all, you know, having someone who's run that race, who can guide you, they might not tell you the answers because obviously given the answers, you won't necessarily learn, but definitely given, you know, giving you that guide along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I remember you with your sort of—you obviously had the nutritional-based podcast uh, last week. Knowing what sort of kind of foods to eat as well before running is such a key factor. Um, like, there's this very old-school thought of carb loading, and people basically doing a marathon and thinking the night before I run a marathon I need to eat shitloads of carbs. Uh, yeah, and or before their long run, do this, this, and this. And yeah. people will change what they're doing nearer to the event and it won't work. So yeah. you have to gradually, don't get me wrong, look, if you're going to run a marathon, you need carbs. Uh, yeah. you need to sort of kind of slowly feed your body. It's not a case of stuff you face at dinner and then go for a run the next morning, slowly sort of introduce your carbs in. And there's obviously there'll be people a million more times of new knowledgeable on this than myself. But basic sort of fundamentals are practice what you are doing before you actually do the event. I, you're going to go for a long run on a Saturday morning, eat right on the Friday night and the Friday during the day. How do you feel on that Saturday? If you feel like crap, then obviously that was the wrong approach. Then the week yeah. after, try something different and wait till you find the right sort of recipe. Because not everything was the same for everyone.
0: That, that that's that's also true, but for, for the listeners as well, this is not something that we're that uh it's just purely based on 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 running or anything. Like, you know, injuries can happen uh, anywhere. Injuries can happen inside the four walls of, of CrossFit Harrow, and and you know they they have, and that can generally be you know from a, uh, from a mixture of things. But what Carl hitting the the, the nail on the head, they're saying going back to, to basics. Like CrossFit has nine fundamental moves for you to master, and if you can't master those nine fundamental moves. They are your base. It doesn't, that, they won't allow you to, to, to move on. So um, just so some of the listeners that can relate maybe for those that don't run in terms of uh, the crossfit world, if, if you know, if you can't do a strict pull-up, there is absolutely no way um, that you should be able to do a bar muscle-up, for example. If you can't do an overhead squat, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to snatch. And it's understanding that, you know, do the fundamentals, do the, do the basics right, learn those properly, move very well, take pride in how you move and the results and the performance Will come, and that reply that, that applies to any sport. You know, um, as I said, injuries can happen playing golf. The injuries can happen in the CrossFit gym. They can run in. You know, picking your child up, you can hurt your back. You know, um, it's it's moving properly is probably the most important thing here.
1: Yeah, no, Other absolutely. Yeah,
0: I, mean,
1: I think the running thing we've only sort of kind of touched on that after around the previous week between us about how it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah running. But uh, as you said there, yeah, injuries can happen in any sort of kind of circumstances, even obscure things like, I don't know, someone prior to the lockdown who was actually injured their back, changing their bed sheets. They, uh, I can believe it. Stupid things where people will get injured. Um, and then you have the freak instances, for example, um, years ago, someone diving into a swimming pool and not checking the depth of it and ended up fracturing yeah. the neck. So there's look it can be absolutely anything
0: that causes causes injuries yeah um okay so um what what do you uh what or what why do people rush back from 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 recovery like you know regardless whether the injury is serious or not why do you think people think oh i mean does it go back to you know performance uh going chasing that performance or chasing that fitness because um, you know, the, the, the injury hasn't gone away, but people just have this need to want to get back into, into, into the gym.
1: I think uh, it's poor advice, as I said, the, not being told the possible consequences of sort of rushing a recovery. Um, finance as well can also be a factor, obviously. Mm-hmm in order to have treatment every single week or a couple of times a week for a foreseeable period, if it's about injuries, it's not cheap. It's something that will, it can be something where people think, right, I have to try and do the rest of this myself because I can't afford to sort of kind of carry on having treatment. And in my opinion, if someone's up and straightforward and honest with you, that they can't have further sessions because they can't afford it, then there's no reason why that plan can't be written and they can sort of kind of self treat to a certain point point. and rather than seeing you once or twice a week, you might have to see someone once a fortnight or once every three weeks, but just making sure they stay on track. Um, and yeah, yeah. That, that sort of rush to get back to doing something. It, it just, I don't know. It's, I think it's one of those things that's always going to happen, unfortunately. They, and the they, problem- they put their fitness ahead really. Yeah, and unfortunately, there are people that will get away with it. Mm, But the majority majority of the time, you end up seeing someone exactly the same injury sort of in a couple of weeks or six weeks' time or whatever it might be. Um, So listen listen to someone who knows what they're talking about. um, Plan what you're going to do. And, yeah, see the right
0: person. Cool. Okay. All right, well, last question before we wrap up the podcast. Um, what should people be uh, avoiding what is an absolute like you know stay away from stop doing
1: oh good question Um,
0: you might have stumped me here what should should people not uh, yeah what should they be avoiding like you know there's a lot of information out there Um, you know you've always throughout uh, the whole podcast you've said see the right person you know experience mentor googling googling just random
1: things and not going to legitimate resources um don't 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 try and self-diagnosing is one of those things that you get i get phone calls from people and they say oh i think i've done this this and this and what they've googled will be in a completely different area to their body (laughs) and
0: it's like (laughs) just, just don't do it I'm laughing because I've been in that position before. I often get people saying like, oh, I think I've torn my bicep or I, and I'm like, if you've torn your bicep, I'm telling you, you would know about it. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah stay away from self-diagnosis.
1: Stay away from self-diagnosis. And then don't, don't take shortcuts with your recovery. Mm. As I said, because I think it's one of those things that if you recover properly, you shouldn't have the issue again in the future. You should yeah. sort the problem sort out whatever is causing it to happen and educate yourself so it doesn't happen again. And then even if you did get a small little flare up of something, you then know how to sort of kind of manage it and treat it, to stop it from escalating further. Um, and I think just learn. I think the most important thing is when you do get injured injuries, you can look at it as a positive that you actually learn your body better. And you know, yeah, that's true. you know what issues you are susceptible to. So therefore, yeah. adapt the workout. If you've got a history of a lower back problem, don't go and do 100 box jumps. That's going to aggravate your back. Yeah. Do something else which is going to sort of target the same muscles, but which is less explosive or
0: less sort of damage or less uh, intrusive on your back. And actually, on that, people you know, who have got injuries in terms of lower back and they've been told to strengthen it, they, they look at it as like, oh, I need to deadlift heavy or I need to you know, pull heavy from the floor no you you probably need to look at the smaller muscles and the stabilizing muscles and work on those strength doesn't have to be like five rep max and one rep max all the time it can be a case of like putting your putting those muscles or stabilizers under a bit of tension through your own body weight or actually just like you know switching on in terms of like feeling that it works
1: yeah i think look, at the end of the day the most important thing is yeah being fit and well and healthy and being and being having a good quality of life. If working out starts to sort of have an effect on your everyday life and your quality of life, then unfortunately you're not doing something right, and it's yeah. uh, you, you need to address it and think about it. Uh, without sort of wanting to end or come to an end on a negative point, it's a case of um, slowly progress, build yourself up, get stronger, see the right people, do the right things. Um, and listen to people that know,
0: yeah, having that having that open mind, um, okay, so that that um, that wraps up our our podcast for today. A lot of you listeners might be asking or thinking you know how can I find out about more of Carl or if you want to work with him? Um, you can find Carl on uh, website, his website www.carlhiskey.co.uk. uk I will put that up on our um, on our uh, notes on the podcast. You can also find him on Instagram, which is Sport the Carl. And Carl, in terms of uh, people maybe wanting to have a consultation or book an appointment, is the best way to get hold of you through the website?
1: Yeah, easiest thing probably to do is to email on the website. You'll also have a telephone number where you can call. Um, uh, People shouldn't feel like if they're calling for a conversation, et cetera, that they're sort of obliged to have an appointment, et cetera. It's one of those things that sometimes it might be something that I can't deal with. But well, as I said, any good physio or sports therapist will be able to direct you to someone that can help you um, and point you in the right direction.
0: Cool. Sounds good. Right, guys, we'll be back next week, for episode four. I will keep you updated on what we will be delivering. Um, stay safe and hopefully we're out of this Corona situation really soon.